your Newcastle. If you notice more Verge Gardens popping up around Newcastle, that's thanks to some of the innovation from the City of Newcastle's new street gardens guidelines that are currently being trialled. Greening Newcastle streets has never been more important as we focus on the significant challenges of urban heat island, population growth and more extreme weather and the impacts of climate change. G'day, my name's Declan Clawson, I'm the Deputy Lord Mayor of the City of Newcastle and I'm pleased to be your host for today's Your Newcastle podcast on Street Gardens. I'm joined in the podcast studio by my colleague Elise Budden, who's an Environmental Education Officer here at the City of Newcastle. Welcome Elise. Thanks Declan, great to be here. It's a good time always to talk about street gardens and our urban environment and particularly given as a council, we're really passionate about climate action and and addressing some of those challenges. But street gardens are something that is really tangible that can happen out the front of your place. And so today's episode is really trying to, to focus and talk about what are the opportunities that come with street gardening and how, as a new Novocastrian, maybe somebody like me that isn't really a green thumb, how they might go about it. So I thought a good place to start is what do we mean when we talk about verge gardens or street gardens? There's a few different types of gardens. If you have a grassy verge, you can plant against your property. So there's three three basic types which are in the guidelines a front of house garden or a curbside garden or if you've got a hard verge it's all asphalt you can have a planter box and growing vegetables we're really encouraging growing of natives and we have a species guide for those many different types of plants to encourage pollinators but three basic types of gardens. Awesome. So it's really that piece of land that you, you might step out of the car or where you put your bins each week. It's the bit of land between the front of your house, the footpath and the roadway. That's the bit that we're talking about. That's right. Yep. You mentioned there's lots of different plants that might be, be put into a verge garden. What kinds of plant varieties are particularly suitable? If, you, if you're thinking about verge gardening for the first time and you mentioned that there's some species selections, what what kind of, how big and what kind of things should be you be thinking about? Well, we've got a species guide with 52 native species which we are encouraging natives to bring in pollinators beetles insects and to encourage small birds to remain in the city they need to be under 500 mil so half a meter high and that's for safety and visibility when you're backing out of your driveway you want to be able to see when you're getting out of your car so yeah it's very well planned with the, the safety and well-being in mind of residents. And yet having a range of natives means more habitat diversity and more functions of a habitat. So healthier streets, healthier street trees, healthier parks and really connecting those, what we're putting into the street, connecting to the, the world around us and the environment around us. Yeah, okay. So it's it's really you know, ground cover and small shrubs, perhaps of those, those kind of species, leaving the street trees to council. So that's something that that's uh, assessed and, and, and dealt with elsewhere. Neighbours can still petition council in order to get uh, street trees planted in, in their neighbourhood if they don't already have one. But the thing that that, that individual property owners and, and perhaps tenants too, and I'm keen for you to, to perhaps explore who who's eligible for a, a street garden sure. can take some control over is uh, the planning of, of species up to, to 500 mils in, in height. So just a, a medium uh, height of vegetation. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And the plants need to be treadable when they're close to the curb. So you can picture walking on them next to your driveway or when you get out of the car and then higher species up to half a metre. Yeah. 
And they can be planted around street trees as long as they're not disturbing the street tree roots. Yep. Um, they can be in planter boxes, like we said, or on the grass. Yeah, okay, cool. Who's eligible to, to think about putting in a street garden? I know that there's a lot of suburbs in Newcastle that have big backyards and places for their own gardens, but equally there's there's increasing numbers of, of suburbs where we've got uh, a smaller amount of privately owned open space and, and really need to turn to district gardens as a way of getting some greenery back into our neighbourhoods. Who could who can start thinking about whether they have a street garden at their place? Yeah, and like you said, not everyone owns a property with a big area. So renters can apply as long as they've got written permission from the property owner. Yeah, anybody outside, we've got an exclusion zone mapped. So if you jump onto our street garden on the City of Newcastle website, it's an interactive map. It's actually really cool. It's just Mostly inner city, Hunter Street, King Street, those high pedestrian areas, we've deemed them not safe for, example, a veggie garden box. Yep, in the middle of the street, yep. Yeah, yep. And some areas in Broadmeadow and Islington, so the high pedestrian activity. But outside that, anyone is welcome to apply and fill in the registration form. And yeah, so it's open to... All residents, all okay. across the city. That, that's important because it's a, uh, the statistics, and uh, it was just reiterated with the recent census, about a third of Newcastle households uh, rent. So the fact that it's something that, that is still available for tenants, it's, you don't have to be an owner-occupier in order to be able to access this, is, is important. Perhaps you could speak us through what kind of permissions you need. If you're thinking about putting in a street garden, firstly, obviously interacting with council, but who else and, and, and what support are we providing in order to, to allow people to be able to, to successfully establish a, a street garden? Yeah, we've made it as simple process as possible. So if you jump onto our um, street garden website, there's a registration form and there's guidelines and drawings of where you can put your garden leaving say 1.2 meter pedestrian access if you've got a grassy bird you might picture that a concrete footpath might go down there so we've got all of those drawings that are set out as simply as possible check the map that you are eligible and go through the registration form and look at where you can plant and how big a garden you can plant in front of your property and then, yeah, there's a simple checklist and you just submit an electronic form or if a resident doesn't have the internet access or ability, call us up 49742000 and we can help you help residents go through that process. Your Newcastle, your podcast. Got feedback or suggestions for us? Connect via the podcast link at newcastle.nsw.gov.au. An important part too is engaging with with neighbours uh, as well and just giving them the heads up that, that you're doing something on, on your verge. And that's particularly important in, in some of our more dense suburbs where there is th- there is a sharing of, of the verge. Perhaps talk us through the process of engaging with, with neighbours, how we've made that as simple as possible as well. Yeah, we've created this a postcard where you can drop, print it out and drop it into your neighbours. And there's a really good video online to explain how to engage your neighbours. And the program is designed to engage communities and sort of, yeah, improve that connection between people for social well-being. You know, there's a lot of statistics on the importance of gardening and land care for mental health, but also social connection and integrating all of that together. The program's designed to connect neighbours who might not speak. And there's lots of communities across the city that are already doing that. But we're encouraging people by, yeah, drop in the postcard into the resident, have a chat to your neighbour. Um, if you've got any issues, staff are always here to lend a hand or 
give advice, um, but it's all on the website and the postcard and tips and frequently asked questions about planting and connecting neighbours. Awesome. And that's a really important benefit. And I think it might be easy to jump to the conclusion that the only benefits are environmental benefits, but clearly there's some social benefits as well. Why don't we have a quick moment just to talk about why we think street gardens are important, why we've developed this framework, because there's lots and lots of lots of benefits. Do you want to start there with those social benefits that you've just touched on, clearly helping people reconnect, particularly post-COVID, we've seen people want to return back to the local more than uh, than ever before. So engaging with your neighbours and, and with your local community through a street garden is a really good way to start. It's a great way to start. I think the numbers that came out to plant on National Tree Day, you know, we were there together on the 31st of July. There were over 200 people that came to Mayfield West to connect, not just with the environment, but socially there were families. And I think that day is a really good example of the fact that people want to connect with one another and they want to give back but it also provides yeah a personal benefit and I've seen that in land care across the city and in community gardens there's a bigger appetite for it you know the community strategic plan shows that the community want nature-based solutions and they want to be involved and we've got you know the data to back that up and a lot of submissions showing that yeah environment and sustainability is important to people and social well-being and nature-based solutions nature we call it nature health yeah it's been proven and there's been a lot more studies over the last 10 years showing connection is highly valuable especially where we've got hard structures and you might not have a park around the corner from you but you can still feel like you're part of something bigger and I think this street garden program's great to connect neighbours. And it's a relatively inexpensive way to start too, because there's the solutions, you know, if, if the verge at my place, for example, is just uh, fairly ordinary and a bit of a weedy, grassy patch, it's going to be relatively straightforward to start with a verge garden as a way of tidying that up and, and giving back to the neighbourhood too, helping improve the broader amenity and the, the presentation of, of the entire suburb to the street. So that helps everybody as well. Yeah, that's right. It looks nice. It's more livable for everyone and... Yeah, that's another aim of the program. Yep. Touching on some of the environmental benefits, so clearly verge gardens particularly or straight gardens as opposed to just grassy verges do help putting some carbon back into the soil, which is helping takes a little bit of carbon out of the atmosphere. So there's a there's a bit of a direct benefit in terms of climate mitigation there. But there's also this thing, the urban heat island effect as well, that, that cities like Newcastle are vulnerable for. And so I thought that we'd just take a brief moment to talk briefly about what urban heat island is and, and the role that street gardens and our street trees play in helping keep Newcastle a little bit cooler than it would otherwise be as a result of their their combined canopies. Like you said, the biggest challenges in cities worldwide are urban heat island population growth and climate change and touching on urban heat island effect. Our teams have mapped the heat using thermal imagery and GIS and drones across the city and showing suburbs that are hottest, for example, Elamore Vale. That's where we're targeting street tree planting, you know, that stuff. But we're also rolling out and encouraging people to plant across the city, not just in the hottest suburbs. But Urban Heat Island is where a built-up area is warmer than the surrounding rural areas. So you have this hard structures, high growth and high density of people and cars in one area, and hard structures that retain heat and don't allow the heat to dissipate. But increasing shade through trees and then increasing any greenery 
helps. It's a bit of a scary thought, actually, because we hear a lot about climate change and we know that the world's likely to be headed towards one and a half degrees or two degrees of global warming. So we're going to see those more extreme hot days. But then when you add this urban heat island effect on top of that, you get these these urban areas, which are a relatively small portion of the world's surface, but important given that's where we predominantly people live, yeah. they have these crazy extreme temperatures and, and all of the negative um, health impacts that come along with that as well. So this is a really very tangible, direct way that, that scientifically helps reduce the, that impact. Exactly. Yeah, a study in the US showed that green infrastructure in cities can lower a city temperature between one and nine degrees. That's huge. Yeah. So every little bit does count. One garden here, they start, you know, gardens have started popping up everywhere over the last year that we've had this street garden program running and every little bit will count. Standing under a tree can be 15 degrees cooler yeah, that, in which the is, shade. Which is amazing. And yeah. people would have experienced that too. You know, some of the, the extraordinary figs, for example, that we've got around Newcastle on those crazy hot days, it is really very cooling to stand underneath them. And so the fact that you can recreate that at a smaller scale in, yeah. in, in your uh, in your suburb as a result of planning appropriate species and, and helping uh, cool our city, it's it's really important. Yeah. And like you said, it is at a smaller scale, but having a garden, having a natives is boosting the health of those fig trees. Feeling social? Follow City of Newcastle on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn. You talk through the fact that we've put out some suggested species that, that fit within those requirements, growing the small and medium size, growing up to half a metre, plant species that are appropriate and resistant to being trod on, given people getting in and out of cars, you're putting your bins out, all those kind of things. Mm. What if you want to grow food? What are the extra considerations that we need to, to put in place if you're thinking of growing vegetables, for example, or herbs in that in that street garden space? Veggies need or plants and food need to be grown in planter boxes and that's mostly for human health to be growing plants in high quality soil. We've got drawings of measurements of planter boxes and suggested ways of creating plastic and timber boxes or corrugated iron boxes are recommended and also installing a wicking bed which is quite a simple DIY yeah, process. Yeah, what's a wicking bed? It's basically a big self-watering pot Yeah, the soil filters, it's like a PVC perforated pipe at the bottom and you feed the water through the top and it will basically continue to cycle water through just with some carpet, some newspaper, some gravel basically and pipe. You can make your own wicking bed. Yeah, okay, cool. And all of the instructions on how to do that are on the city's website? The instructions for wicking bed I found through just online, Gardening Australia or the like. Yeah, okay, cool. All right, well, that's a good spot to start. And so you do need to be mindful if you are planning vegetables just that the soil at the verge because it's right next to the road and especially in a historic city like Newcastle given the age of the the city can be contaminated so it's really important that you're not growing directly into the soil on the verge and eating though that produce it needs to be in in raised garden beds but you can find how to do that and the dimensions of the the boxes and the like are, are available through through the city. There are so many benefits that I keep on darting around. I apologise in our conversation around some of the benefits. You mentioned the pollination benefits. So particularly at the moment when we've got a bit of a bee crisis in New South Wales, how do uh, street gardens help with pollination? I'll refer to a City of Melbourne study that was done in 2020 of insects across 15 sites in parks and over 560 insect species were found. And that's blown my mind. And most of those were native, 97% native species so that was in parks but gardens sort of support that and create the link if you think of butterflies ants beetles cicadas they provide 
you know, important environmental services that benefit all of us from pollution and pest control to improving soil facility. You mentioned earlier, they're breaking down biomass and they're breaking down carbon and that's feeding invertebrates, which is in turn feeding fauna higher up in the food chain. All of insects are potential pollinators or most of which you might know the cut leaf daisy. It's a little purple daisy plant, which is on the top of our suggested species list. It's one of the top attractants for butterflies. Okay, and it's one that's resistant to being uh, trod on too or relatively hardy uh, as a a ground cover. Yep, it's hardy like pig face on the coastlines, another important attractant. And that species guide shows what pollinators and what animals will be attracted to each different type of plant. The species guide's worth having a look at, regardless of whether you can proceed with a street garden. Uh, you might just yeah. be interested in some new plantings in your backyard. And, and this list is one that's really helpful in, in what does uh, a native garden look like in Newcastle with some plants that are that are resistant to being bashed around a little just yeah. as a result of their location, relatively resistant to drought, given clearly at the moment we're in a fairly wet period, but we do have those dry periods, making sure that you've got something that, that's going to last when you're planting it on the verge. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and that guide also has the flower colour, or we call it the bloom colour, whether you're planting on clay or sandy soil or on a hill slope, all of that is in the guide. So yeah, if you're not sure what to plant, just jump onto the guide and we're, like you said, drought tolerant natives appropriate to the area that are nice and low and hardy. Cool. The final benefit I did want to touch on and get your thoughts on as well is the benefits around stormwater uh, too. So um, especially in a climate changing world, those more extreme and more frequent big flooding events, our cities are, are largely are filled with concrete and uh, roofs that are impermeable. So we get lots of runoff in those um, in those very intense rainfall events. The city's been spending a lot of money trying to improve the stormwater drainage right across the city. Mm. The past six years, we've spent $40-odd million on underground assets, which is a lot more than we collect, incidentally, in the the stormwater charge. But there are benefits that can come from just the very local things that we all do. So the Verge Gardens do play a role in helping retain and prevent some of that stormwater from ending up in the stormwater system during the peak of rainfall events and and do help prevent flooding. So I did want to just to touch on that. In addition to those, the direct climate climate change benefits, the the social and stress benefits, uh, the benefits in terms of biodiversity. How about the benefits in terms of stormwater and flooding? Yeah, if you think about runoff from a hard verge or straight from the footpath into the drain, as opposed to creating a filter system like the mangroves do between Hunter River and the salt marsh and inland vegetation, it's a the water is slowly trickling through the soil, being trapped, you know, sediments being trapped in the root system of the natives and just slowing down that water movement and also trapping pollutants. You think of between your property and the curb that a garden can be slowing down movement of water and yeah, reducing that heavy load and that high flow into our stormwater system. Which is really important. And most Novocastrians live in either the Ironbark Creek catchment that ends up going out via the Hexham wetlands, so mm. a really sensitive environment. Lots of Novocastrians that live on the, the eastern side of New Lambton live in the Throsby Creek catchment, which of course then comes out at the mouth of the harbour, but through the wetland and a mangrove area that's there that often picks up litter that's collected from across right. the, the city or I- indeed in the Cottage Creek catchment. So across those those three catchments, these little things do help improve the water quality that exists in each of those areas. Yeah, any little benefit counts. 
There's currently a, a competition underway for street gardens and trying to encourage and promote people being able to access and start up their street gardens. Can you tell us where we're up to in the, the competition and what we expect to see between now and December when that's judged? Yeah, it's been a really exciting way to boost and to promote the creation of a garden with a voucher. It's been run over a month, so by the time you're all listening, the competition will be closed, but it's running for four months and will be judged by a criteria by three judges in December. And we'll look at the best established garden in terms of natives and diversity and whether it meets the yeah, the criteria. So it's exciting for those people that have started during the competition, but it's not too late to start. People can join and start a street garden anytime. Uh, just unfortunately, they'll miss out on the ability to be in the competition, but they can still uh, get all of those benefits that come from, um, from starting a street garden at home. Absolutely, yeah. And not everyone's opted to be in the competition. People are doing it for love, not for a prize. There's a really big mix in terms of planter boxes and curbside and house front of house gardens that are popping up all over the place we've had lots of applications which has been exciting and not just in the city you know there's been applications yeah mayfield adamstown heights rankin park jesmond all over that's amazing and that was going to be my next question actually is if you don't know where to start where where in the city is a good place to have a look maybe not identifying specific properties but general suburbs that are good to go and have a look around if you're thinking about starting a verge garden what a a street garden what are the areas for inspiration head straight around centennial park in cooks hill there's a lot of well-established gardens and some of them are under existing street trees, which is also, we haven't touched on that. You can plant around an existing street tree and not disturb the roots. I think I mentioned that earlier. If you don't have a, a grassy verge, there's the option of, yeah, planter box or under a street tree. But yeah, head to Cooks Hill and we'll be assessing, yeah, applications over the coming years. Hopefully this podcast has helped inspire a few people to at least look at their options. I did want to just touch on before we conclude where you can find more information. So I've referenced a few times the street garden guidelines that are available on the city's website. I've got the the web link here and we'll make sure it's included in the detail with the podcast. It's www.newcastle.nsw.gov.au forward slash street gardens. And from there, you can find all of the information that Elise has mentioned, information on the the map that shows whether the verge in front of your place is appropriate for a street garden, information on how to register, copies of the guidelines, access to those standard uh, drawings, a postcard that you can leave with your neighbours, information on how to engage with your landlord. All of that information is available on a central hub on the the City of Newcastle's website. And and the team have done an extraordinary job in ensuring that 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 is easy to navigate and uh, and work through as well. It's probably evident in the conversation for both of us. I'm not a green thumb at all. I don't believe it. (laughs) uh, But I'm pretty passionate about this program. And I I have to say, maybe uh, just to really emphasise, this is leading local government in New South Wales. There are very few examples of this and that's because for far too long the verge has been really challenging as a space it's it's clearly highly contested you've got all of those underground and overground utilities the interface with pedestrians and car movements and the like these guidelines i can't i can't speak highly enough for the the work that's been done to distill a really complicated problem where the previous answer was just no it's too hard Mm. into something that is very workable and and is being actioned by by communities right across the city That's right. And it's really, we used to call it a nature strip, didn't we? It's really converting that nature strip back into nature and allowing that to be accessible to a lot of people. Yep, absolutely. Your Newcastle is changing daily and we care about you. 
Have your say at newcastle.nsw.gov.au. The final thing I wanted to, to speak very briefly, for people like me that don't know all that much about gardening, is that there's also a lot of information available through our city libraries, including the city seed libraries. So if you don't know where to start and are looking for access to some appropriate species, the seed libraries are a good place to start. Yeah. And we've also got Costa uh, from Gardening Australia yes. coming and doing a public lecture through the, the libraries in the coming months. And all of that information too is available on the city's website. But I know lots of Novocastrians will be familiar with Costa and will be seeking his uh, inspiration on how to go about starting a successful street garden. And his new book that he'll be launching through the rollout of the Walls and Library reopening. Exciting it, to have him up in Newcastle. It, it's very exciting and, and great inspiration. Thank you so very much for coming into the podcast studio today. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Was there anything else that we didn't capture as part of the conversation that you want to let Novocastrians know? I think we covered it all. Thanks, Declan. That's your Newcastle. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review us wherever you listen. 